Today we're going to continue in our series entitled 12 Essential Conversations for the Next Generation where we've been talking about how to raise the next generation with a biblical world view. And we're about halfway through this series. Uh, we're going to take a break next week for Palm Sunday and then also the week after that for Easter and then we'll pick back up. But uh, thus far the six essential truths that are vital to the next generation that we've talked about thus far have been this. There is the one true God. God created all things. God created man in his image. God gave man dominion over the earth. God designed humanity in his image to be expressed as male and female. And God loves children and desires humanity to have children. Is what we talked about last week, being fruitful and multiply. And I hope you all went home and did your homework. <laughs> yes, you can laugh about that too. So, that being said... Hey, today we're going to jump into this text. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, but essentially, before we do that, I need to kind of explain to you how Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 works. So essentially, Genesis 1, where we spent most of our time thus far in our series, we've looked at the fullness of God's creation work. However, in Genesis 2, we see God's work in creation at a much closer, more intimate level, focusing specifically on God's creation of hu humans. Now the reason why this, we have Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we need to know this because Genesis 1 and 2 are telling the same story from a different perspective. That can be confusing at times. In Genesis 1, we see the story of creation from a 10,000 foot view. In Genesis 2, it gets much more closer and more intimate, focusing essentially on humanity. Genesis 1, we see God created man in his image. He created them male and female. In Genesis 2, we actually see God physically doing that. Breathing into Adam, forming him out of the dust, breathing him to him the breath of life, and then taking Eve out of his rib, forming Eve. We see it at a much closer level. And so we're going to pick up today in Genesis 2. So Genesis 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were created and all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Now we're gonna, not going to read verses 4 through 14, but essentially this is God creating Adam, breathing into him the breath of life, and then creating a garden amongst all of his creation uh, for man to live and reside in. And then we pick up in verse 15, we see one of the first things that God does with man is he gives him a job. And so look with me in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The title of our message today and our seventh essential conversation that we must have with the next generation is that God de designed humanity to be a people who worked. To be a people who worked. We see this in all of the first part of Genesis 2. God is a worker. We see God resting from his work on the seventh day. And then we see one of the first things that he gives man to do is he gives him a job to cultivate and keep the garden. Now the reason why we must address this to the next generation is twofold. First, as we'll see in a few moments, work is something that is absolutely in the design of God for humanity. And secondly, like many things that are in the design of God, work is being demonized in our culture today by many. The publication Insider published an article in November of 2021 about a new culture among millennials and Gen Zers called the Anti-Work Group. 
They mention in that part of their online community has over a million U.S. Uh, US followers who say they are part of the anti-work group. In this article, they tell the story about Larry, a man who was in the workforce up until the pandemic, lost his job, moved to Colorado where his ex-wife and his children were to attempt to get a job there to be closer to family. He was only there for a short period of time, and then he quit that job uh, for many reasons, and then he left, moved back to South Carolina, and is presently living in a trailer behind his mom's house. And this is what he says. He says he feels freer than he's ever been and he doesn't really need anything and doesn't really have any expenses, so why should he work? He said, when, and I quote, when you get to this stage in your life, you're not working anymore and you don't really care about some things. It's freedom. It really is freedom. Now, there's a few problems with Larry's statement. First off, this, Larry, in all reality, doesn't not have any expenses because he still has to eat. He still needs basic essentials. So most likely what is happen, happening is, is Larry is slipping over to Mama's house at night to eat dinner, to take a shower, and to brush his teeth. Secondly, Larry may feel freer than ever, but his freedom is not free. He is living at the expense of others, being at the expense of his mamas or the federal government, but somebody is paying for Larry. But as you can see in this article, this kind of lifestyle and existence is being celebrated by many in the next generation. And so it is outside of God's design for humanity. And it is something that we have to address. So our main truth today, if you're keeping notes, which is, parents, we must have the conversation with our children that God designed humanity to be a people who work. As we see in this text today, work has always been God, part of God's plan for humans. Even before sin entered the world, as soon as God created Adam, the first thing he gave Adam was a job. We see it there in Genesis 2.15. He placed him in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Now, I love how we can find the greater definitions of things, the simplest, purest definitions of things by looking to the Scriptures. Genesis 2, 15 gives us two words that show us that work is part of God's design, and it shows us what work really is. It says that he put Adam in the garden to keep the garden and to cultivate the garden. These two words essentially define, to, define us all aspects of work. The word cultivate in this passage in the Hebrew is avad, which means to serve, to work, or to labor. The word keep in the Hebrew is shamre, which means to guard or to have charge over something in a similar way that a shepherd would have to keep his flock or to have charge over the sheep. Thus, according to the Bible, work is the combination of effort and responsibility. All aspects of work have these two foundational parts of it. It is effort applied toward a specific goal and responsibility. In every job that I have ever had in my life, it involved both of those things, effort and responsibility. My mother is here uh, with us this morning. and she can, When I was 15 years old, my mother took me to Warrior to McCurry Furniture because I wanted a job. And Lord knows I needed a job to occupy my time in some way. So she took me to McCurry Furniture, and I got hired as a delivery worker. And I had to, she had to keep taking me to work every day until I got my driver's license later on that summer. 
And I got to work for a guy named Seophus Moore. Seymour was my supervisor. And Seymour was in his 50s and he had big Coke bottle glasses that made his eyes look like they were just giant. And uh, when we would work during the day, I won't ever forget, I would get in the car. First off, Seymour would show up to work with the starched uh, pleated pants that you could shave with the pleat on his blue jeans. It was unbelievable. But we would load up this truck with all this furniture and things, or we would get out of somebody's house, and he would get in the truck, and he'd say, Man, I'm old. I'm getting tired. And then look over me and grin with these giant eyes, and he'd say, But I still look good. (laughs) But it taught me work and responsibility. It took effort to unload things out of the warehouse, to put them in the truck, to drive them to somebody's home, to put them into the home without scratching up the floor or scratching up the furniture. And it took responsibility because we had to get that job done. This is a vital truth that we have to teach the next generation. And in order for us to teach that work, combination of effort and responsibility, is something that is inside God's design for us, we've got to do like we have every week in this series. We've got to answer three questions. So let me attempt to do that today. Question number one, where do we see the truth that God desires humanity to work in Scripture? And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. The Bible has a lot to say about work. Let me give you six ways the Scriptures address work and how it fits into God's design for humanity. First, the Scriptures show us that work was part of the plan of God. As we see in Genesis 2, work was always part of God's plan. God didn't create humanity with the ability to build, create, solve problems with our minds if it was not intended to be used. God didn't give us muscles to lift and bend and hold for them never to be stretched. God didn't give us the ability to work hard and to sweat, but also to sleep and to rest if He did not intend for us to put in a good day's work. It is in the design of God for us to work. And we also see it even in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Remember last week, verse 28 says, God told told, uh, the male and female to be fruitful and multiply. And then it says, and subdue the earth and rule over it. God's call for man to rule over creation in Genesis 1, 28 is essentially the same thing we see in Genesis 2 at a lower level to cultivate and keep it. Also in Genesis 2, we see that God's call to cultivate and to keep the garden was given to him before Eve had ever been given to him as a wife. But we see that later in Genesis 2. But in later in Genesis 2, when he says, it's not good for you to be alone, he will create for you a helpmate. So even God in creating Eve was bringing along somebody to be his helpmate, to be his fellow partner, to be his worker with him. I heard a pastor say one time that the three foundations of people in Genesis were this. We see that they had a master in God, they had a mission in their work, and they had a mate in their spouse. And that's true for us here today. Inside the design of God, we need a master in a relationship with God. It should be, it's, the, it, it, it's the, in the design of God for the majority of us, unless God has gifted you with singleness to have a mate. But for all of us is that God wants us to have a mission, to have work, to have effort and responsibility. Let me give you one more thought on work before we move on. Some people have attributed work to be part of the curse of sin on the earth. Because you do see some of that in Genesis 3, 17 and 18. After sin enters the world, God says to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. 
In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Now this is what we need to understand from this passage. Work itself isn't part of the, of the work in itself isn't part of the curse of sin on humanity. Work was given to humanity before sin entered the world. However, after sin entered the world, work became toilsome. It became difficult. It became necessary. Prior to sin, work was still work, but it was always filled with joy and purpose. After sin, work was still work, but sometimes it is filled with difficulty and pain. For those of us who know Jesus, we can return to a closer version of what work looked like before sin than other people, but it will still always bear the marks of the fall of sin until the Lord's return. Because of sin, all work today will have difficulties. You've heard people say before that find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Can I say something to you today? That is hogwash in the words of Brother John. I love my job as a pastor, but there are days when it's hard. There's days when it's difficult. In Jesus, work can be a blessing and should be, but it will never be perfect. One of the greatest ways to show our children that work is part of God's plan is to allow them to begin to work as soon as possible. Call them to work within your home as a means of serving your family and providing for yourselves. Give them chores. And also, as soon as possible, allow them to work outside of the home. One, of the great, one, one great idea would be instead of giving your children an allowance... Make them have a summer job as soon as they can. Allow them the value of responsibility or after-school jobs because it will always be part of God's design for them. My cousin Walt is in my discipleship group, and we were talking a few weeks ago just about work and about allowances and raising children and those things. And uh, one of the stories that he told is that when he was 16, that his dad called him outside and said, Son, I've got something for you. And he goes outside, and he has a trailer with a new lawnmower, some weed eaters and some blowers, and he said, Son, this is your gift. Go get a job. Go find some grass. Start cutting yards. And he said that he was mad at first because all of his buddies, they got allowances. They got things that they just got money given to them. And in fact, he was going to have to go and work to make uh, his spending money. And the truth is, my uncle probably spent more on those things than he would have giving him an allowance. But now as a grown man, he said he wouldn't take anything in the world for that lesson that his father gave him at a young age. That things are not given to you, they are earned. The next generation needs to know that work will always be part of God's plan for their lives. Secondly, the scripture shows us that work is a means by which we praise God. Not only does the scripture show us that God called Adam to cultivate and keep the garden, but in a moment in time when sin didn't exist in the world, everything that humanity did was give glory to God. The Westminster Catechism of the 1600s says this, the chief end of man is the glory of God and to enjoy Him forever. Prior to sin entering the world, this is what humans did. So God gave Adam this task of working in the garden, and everything that he did brought praise to God. For those of us who know Jesus today, we too should see our work as a means by which we praise God, no matter what we do. Tim Keller, in a great book entitled Every Good Endeavor about work, spoke about how jobs 
can become our mission to God. He said a job is a vocation only if someone calls you to do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission. He's talking about seeing your daily work, secular work, seeing what you do as a mission unto God. And this is exactly what the New Testament calls us to. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Paul said, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Christians, we should be the greatest employees on the earth because we don't do it for our earthly bosses alone. We do it for our heavenly employer. Now, we could preach an entire sermon on this text alone, but essentially it tells us that work, even hard and difficult work, is something that can be life-giving to the workers when we see ourselves as working under the glory of God. When we see ourselves as working not only for the provisions we receive in this world, but also for the glory that will be received in the world to come. Working hard unto God is truly a way we sing a song of praise unto God, no matter what you do. If you're a construction worker or a cosmetologist, if you're a doctor or a graphic designer, if you're a radiologist or a roofer, if you're a teacher or you work in the tech industry, all of these vocations give you a voice to praise God with. I remember hearing a poem one time that said, God, my hands you have made to do my trade, but no matter the game, may they give you praise. God, my mind you have taught to lead and to build, but at the, each, at the end of each day, may those in my charge be filled. God, my work you have given to me each day, for your glory I serve, and may your name be praised. So work from the Scripture shows us it's a way it's in the plan of God. It's also a way that we can praise God. Thirdly, the scriptures show us that work is something that God uses to bring His provisions in our lives. We see here in Genesis 1 and 2 that part of Adam's responsibility to cultivate and keep the garden was so that it would produce fruits and vegetables. Well, why does it need to produce fruits and vegetables? Because it was the fruits and vegetables that would meet Adam's physical needs. Now, God was always seen as the provider, but Adam was invited to cooperate with him in this work as means of his provision. Work is and should be, according to Scripture, a means by which God provides for us. Proverbs chapter 12, and 12 verse 11 says this, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Ephesians 4.28 speaks about not only how work should be a means of providing for ourselves, but also should be a means of blessing others. It says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with those who are in need. He says, work doesn't just provide for you, it provides for the people around you. The Bible makes it clear that work is something that we are called to do inside of God's design. But like all things, sin and brokenness has made that difficult for some. Because of brokenness in the world, we do genuinely have people who can't work and must depend on the grace of others. In these situations, it is the responsibilities of families and the church to care for the poor and needy. And in these cases, work is something that not only provides for yourself, but allows you to honor God by providing for others around you. And church family, this is what we are attempting to do here at the church. 
When you give of your tithes and offerings, we have a significant portion of that budget that it's not just going to the international missions, it's not just going to our national missions, but it's even going right here into our North Jefferson area. Just the week before spring break, some of our ladies went and fed all the teachers at Warrior Elementary School as a way of providing for their morale and encouraging them, which is a very real need. And we're doing other needs like that in the days ahead. And we're praying, oh God, show us ways that we can genuinely affect the poor and needy around us. These things matter. Fourthly, the scripture shows us that work is part of the protection of God. Church family, work keeps you out of trouble. We've all heard the statement that idle hands are the devil's playground. The scriptures would affirm that this is true. It seems that all throughout the Bible, when people get lazy and no longer work, they begin to be open to sin. Proverbs 18, verse 9, speaks about those who don't end up, who are not working, how they end up in the company of sinners. It says, He who is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Probably one of the greatest examples of this is a great godly man in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. We see that King David, who was a warrior, a man after God's own heart, as he was settling in his kingdom, that it says in verse 1 there, that it happened in the springtime, when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But look at the last part of verse 1. But David stayed in Jerusalem. David was shirking his responsibility. He should have been working, but where was he? Look at verse 2. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed. David was taking a vacation and he was sleeping in. He's not working. And what happens? He begins to walk around the roof of his palace. He looks over and he sees a woman bathing named Bathsheba. And he's attracted to her. He calls her into his house. And you know the rest of the story. David then becomes an adulterer, then becomes a murderer, that ends up is being, loses his kingdom for a time and bears the consequences of that sin for the rest of his life. Had David been at work... He wouldn't have been on the roof. And if he had not been on the roof, then he would not have fallen. All over Scripture and all over life, we see that when you're working, it serves as a means of protecting you. One of my dearest friends in Arley, Alabama, is a guy named Cheryl Bennett. He's kind of a rough tough, godly man. He worked for the phone company for years. He, had, he was kind of hard of hearing, and so when I do his imitation of his voice, I can't help but do his imitation of his voice. It kind of sounds gruff and like he's, like he's growling. But he told me the story one time uh, that early in his career at the phone company, when you actually had to go into a home and install the phone on the wall, uh, that he had a repeat customer that he had to continue to go and repair the phone because the phone was being ripped off the wall by her adult son who had come home from Vietnam, had not gotten a job, and, and started to drink alcohol and became an alcoholic. He said every time that he would go over there to fix this phone, that this woman would stand there and make excuses for her son, speaking about the things that he saw in the war and that he had not been right since the war. And, and Brother Cheryl was very compassionate to that for a while. But about the fourth trip over there, as she was making these excuses in the words of Popeye, he stands it till he couldn't stand it anymore. And then finally he turned around and said, you know what, ma'am? I was over there too, having already served in Vietnam. And he said, I saw a lot of things that I didn't like to see either. But you know what I did when I came home? I got a job. And he said, when I got a job, you get a job. And I didn't have time to stay up and, and, and deal with all this foolishness. And the reality was, is he was right. When you are doing the things that God's designs, it keeps us from being in situations where we can be destroyed. 
Parents, making your children have jobs while they're in school, especially while they are in college, which is intended to be a season that prepares them for vocational life, is a great means to help keep your kids out of trouble. Church families, say this to you today. Do not give your children an open checking account. Do not give them a blank check in your life where they can come to you at any point, at any time. Call them to responsibility. It may be one of the greatest ways that you serve them. Fifthly, the Scriptures show us that work is one of the ways that we see promotion by God. While we must be careful in our parenting not to force our kids to become something that they're not. However, we should also... It is right to teach our children that promotion and advancement and ambition is a good thing. To be given a raise, to be given an opportunity and responsibility, to advance in their career is a good and God-honoring thing that often comes to those who work hard and work well. In Luke chapter 16 and 17, we see Jesus uses the illustration of a man who is leaving for a season of time, and he calls his servants to him, and he gives his servants different amounts of money, and when he comes back, he inspects them. And the reality is is the ones who have worked hard, the ones who are done well, are the ones that ultimately get greater advancement. You can see in verse 16 and 17 as he inspects the first. This is what he says. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be an authority over ten cities. Because he did well, it led to promotion. Parents, according to God, our children need to know that they are not entitled to anything in this life. Hard work and honoring God are the keys to advancement. And then finally, the scriptures show us that when people don't work, that it is a problem in the eyes of God. All over the Bible, we see that people who don't work when they are physically able to work are considered as wrong and sinful in the eyes of God, and they will reap the consequences of that sinful lifestyle. Proverbs 15 verse 19 says, The way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns. Proverbs 21 verse 25 says, The desire of the sluggard puts him to death. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, even in the New Testament, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is full of grace and mercy, but also truth, we see that work is a command to God's people. It says, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading undisciplined lives, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord. He's saying, thus says the Lord, work in a quiet fashion and eat your own bread. Go get a job in the name of Jesus, is what Paul is saying here. Church family, we see coming out of this pandemic that when giving the option to work or stay at home and be paid by the government, that a great number of Americans chose to stay at home. Church, we must be compassionate to those who can't work, but we must also see laziness and apathy as sin before God. Charles Spurgeon spoke about this, said, Lazy people always find fault with their tools. Clearly this morning, we can see that work is something that God honors and it is His design for His people according to Scripture. Second question this morning we must answer. Where do we see the truth that God desires humanity to work in our world? 
Trying to see the truth that God desires humanity to work in our world. Where do we see it in our world that work is a good thing? It's likely one of the easiest for us to see in our world in this whole series. One study shows that of the over 7 billion people in the world today, that today over 3 billion people have a job. When you subtract children and elderly people who are beyond the age of work, you can see that the majority of the world works because it is an essential part of God's design that He put into humanity. And we not only see that most people do work, but that the majority of people see work as a good thing. It is a blessing. Let me give you a few ways. First, the world shows us that having a job is a blessing to the individual. Now, some of you may know about the job site, the massive job site today uh, called Indeed. It is a job service helping people find jobs and employment. They posted an article in August of 2021 entitled, Why Having a Job is So Important. And the reality was they posted this article during the season when there were jobs opening and people were not going back to work. But this is what they said. Indeed said that having a job is important for socialization. Work connects you with other people. They also said that having a job is important for fulfillment. Work can give you a sense of accomplishment and purpose. And if you have done something, completed a job, a task, you say, man, there is that truth. Every Thursday, I preach my message to myself. And, and when I send it to Donnie and these guys to put on the screen, I have a sense of accomplishment. Say, man, I've, I have worked hard and I've completed something. Work indeed also said that work provides income. Work helps you provide for the necessities of your life. And also to help you save for the days to come, days to come. Indeed said that having a job is important for skills. Working gives you the opportunity to grow and learn things you would have never learned before. Indeed said that having a job is important for wellness. Work gives you opportunities to move your bodies and use your minds. And health studies and doctors over and over again show that the more active we are in mind and in body, the better it is for our overall health. Now, I am super thankful that Indeed put this study out there because all of these benefits are true. But what we as Christians understand is that these benefits come to those by working, not by accident. They come to us because they are built-in blessings by God that is dispensed in the lives of those who are doing what we are created to do. When we do what God says, it always works out to be blessings. And then also the world shows that us having a job is a blessing not only to ourselves, but a blessing to others. All over the world, we see that people who are working are able to support and serve others because they have a job. Over 70, 270 million migrant workers in the world today are working and sending home money each year. They're able to do that because they have a job. Multiple Christian-based homeless shelters and other charitable organizations like the Jimmy Hill Mission that receive no federal support are completely uh, supported by donors. They're able to do that because people who have a job are able to give to those organizations. 90% of funding of the funding of organizations like the Salvation Army come from donors. Again, those who have earned something are giving a portion of that to others. And if you're an American today, a portion of your taxes goes to programs like welfare, WIC, and other housing and nutritional plans to help people in need. 
Now, while this may be taken advantage of by some, the reality is, is that many people desperately need these programs, especially those children who are innocent in these situations. And we should celebrate that we live in a country that does those things. And so by working, you're paying taxes that are helping us bless others. Simply put, we see it all over the world that charity comes from people who are on the clock, that generosity comes from people who are getting after it, and people who are getting paid are people who are providing for others. Parents, we must teach our children that God wants us not only to work to provide for ourselves, but also to be a blessing to others. If work is just because making money just becomes self-centered, if there's no mission in it for the glory of God, and there's no serving others, then work becomes not a blessing, but can become a burden because you are working hard to carve out an idol for yourself that can never satisfy Work is intended not just to provide for you, but to do what you were created to do, which is to honor God by loving your neighbors. Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, speaking of rich people. It says, instruct them to do good, be generous in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You know, the world shows that work is a good thing. And if you get outside of the United States where people are so often spoiled, you find people, the majority of people, who celebrate the blessings of having a job. I'm privileged this morning to have my stepdad here with us. And he owns a Ford dealership in Albertville, Alabama. And uh, he told me the story just a few weeks ago. He's got two guys that's worked for them for decades in their cleanup shop. And they're two Hispanic guys. And uh, their names are Juan. And so they just refer to them as Juan, Juan, and Juan, two. And uh, Juan, two is the younger. And he speaks English and Spanish. And Juan, one speaks no English uh, at all. But he's a pastor in the local church. Uh, Anytime that they get together to pray, they ask Juan to pray for him. And and he says, I have no idea what he prays, but man, he calls heaven down. He can pray for me anytime. Well, just recently, he and his wife celebrated 30 years of marriage. And part of that time, over 10 years of that time, was when he was in America getting settled, uh, getting getting, uh, legalized here in in America, and he was sending money back to his wife. Then 10 years later, he's able to bring his family. He's a faithful, faithful worker. And at this celebration, they invited my stepdad to go to this celebration. Not only invited him there, had a place at the head table for him, and even had a young lady there to translate everything that was going on. And he said, as he heard the story of their love and their faithfulness to one another and their thankfulness to God, he was moved. But he said one of the things that moved him the most is when Juan started to weep and thank God for the great blessing he has of his job and to work for a Christian man in a place that trusts him. And he wept as he was thankful for this job that many people in American society today would see as lowly manual labor cleaning up cars. And he is thanking God for it. Church family, work is a blessing to God's people. And if we ever get to the place where honest day's work is no longer a blessing, then we're not right in the eyes of God. And then thirdly, this morning, as we prepare to close, why do we need to teach the truth that God desires humanity to work to the next generation? Let me give you five quick reasons why we have to teach this to our children. First, our children need to know that God desires us to work as a vital step to them becoming adults. Parents, according to Genesis 2, our goal should be that our children will one day leave their fathers and mothers. Can I get an amen to that this morning? <laughs> Somebody gave a hallelujah. I don't mean that's, yeah. Like we said last week from Psalms 127, children are arrows. And what are arrows intended to be? They're intended to be shot. 
We are intended one day to send our children out into the world as adults to be able to serve God and provide for themselves. Parents, do not let your kids get married to someone who will not work. And I would say another thing, parents today, do not let your children get married and immediately move into your home. Now, there may be a time when building a home or some happened circumstances, you need to take them in. But on the front end, if you can't provide a home for your spouse, especially for your bride, then you don't need to get married because you're not an adult yet. Don't let your adult children stay at a home if they don't have a job. Why is that? Because part of being an adult is having a job. Parents, we should celebrate and mandate that work is required in our homes. And that may not be popular in this day, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Secondly, our children need to know that God desires us to work so that they can avoid the lies about work in our culture. This anti-work group we mentioned earlier, there are consistent voices today that are saying that work is oppressive, work is racist, work is... A negative thing. It's oppressive. Let me say to you this morning, many of these things go back to a socialistic and communistic mindset that sadly is being propagated in our world today. Parents, what I would say is that it's almost impossible to stay on top of all the lies that the culture is saying. But I would say your best thing you can do is to do like a, the, the FBI agents that, that are tasked with finding counterfeit monies, or the Secret Service agents that are tasked with finding counterfeit monies, they don't spend all of their time studying all the different counterfeits. They spend most of their time studying the real thing. And if you know the real thing, then all the fake things stand out. Teach your children the real thing. Teach them the design of God. Teach your children that work is good and God-honoring. And when the lies come, they will stand out and be evident. Thirdly, our children need to know that God desires us to work, and work is key to advancement. Like we said earlier, advancement is a good thing in the eyes of God. But we must teach our kids that you have to start somewhere to be able to advance. We must teach them that nobody is entitled to anything. If you want better pay, work hard, build your resume and reputation, learn more skills, and then you can advance with God's help. But you have to start somewhere. Again, lies in our cultures are being propagated that rapidly to the next generation that says everyone must be equal. Church family, the reality is is that according to God's word, it teaches us that everybody should be equal in opportunity in a just society. But the scripture also shows us that in a society that is full of sin, broken people, everybody's not equal when it comes to work because everybody doesn't apply the same effort as everybody else. So if you want to advance, you got to work hard and honor God. According to God, we don't deserve anything more in life from others except basic responsibilities, basic respect because we are creating the image of God. If we want to advance, we've got to work for it. Fourthly, our children need to know that God desires us to work because work is key to learning how to respect authority. Another aspect of work that is honoring to God is it calls us to be under authority. We see this at the beginning even with Adam and Eve. They were employees and God was the boss. In most every job setting, you have a boss, a supervisor, a manager, and even clients for those who are self-owned business owners. And these people are, in many ways, authority over you. The idea of authority is something that is despised in our world today. But God honors authority and authority structures and always has. 
working in a young age helps teach our children what it looks like to be under authority and how to respect authority. Even in situations where the authorities in our life are not life-giving or you work for people who are difficult to work for, Colossians 3 tells us that we should work as though we're working for God and not for man. Let me say another thing why we need to teach our children to be under authority. 1 Samuel chapter 15 says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If we don't teach our children to respect authority in all areas of life, in the workplace and in the home and in the school, then we are opening up to a demonic, rebellious spirit. And once you open the door for the devil, you have no idea how far the enemy wants to take that. We've got to be willing to teach our children what Dr. Adrian Rogers said about authority. You can never be over what you want to be over until you're willing to be under what God's called you to be under. And then finally this morning, I'm going to ask Brother Ron to come and begin to play softly for us today. Finally today, church family, our children need to know that God desires them to work because it causes them to be like Jesus. Tim Keller wrote, again in the same book, Every Good Endeavor, He said, but in Genesis, we see God as a gardener. And in the New Testament, we see him as a carpenter. No task is too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of the work given by God. There's no clearer picture of work than we see in our Savior. Jesus worked as he ministered to people. Healing the sick, raising the dead, opening the eyes of the blind. We see that it was an effort of work. Jesus often having to pull away to rest to be with his father. We see Jesus worked as he battled the demonic and casting out demons as he warred with the devil. We see Jesus worked as he taught those people who are lost without truth and without a shepherd. We also see Jesus worked on his way to Golgotha as he carried the cross. We see Jesus worked as while he hung on the cross as he struggled to breathe. We see Jesus work as he bore the sin of the world is that ultimately to take on the sin of the world a debt needed to be paid and Jesus signed up on the cross to go to work to take the sin of the world. We see Jesus went as far as to work as he gave up his spirit and died but he didn't stay dead. We see Jesus work on the third day as he unbound himself from those rags, as he unbound himself from those burial clothes that came out of the tomb. And the Bible says that Jesus now is still working. He is in heaven today working, building a home, building creations, building for his people that one day we would go see and be with him. We see Jesus is working. The Bible says he is ever living to give intercession for the saints. Our Savior, our King is a worker today. How dare we bear the name of Jesus? Jesus and not be willing to show up to go to work if Jesus worked in this world the Bible says in Hebrews consider him who endured such hostility at the hands of sinners so that we would not grow weary and lose heart the scripture says go to work go to work and so how do we end this morning today I want to say to you first and foremost it is near impossible to find the mission that God has for you without first having a master. 
Jesus endured all of that on the cross so that every one of us in this world would truly know Him in a real life-giving relationship with the God of creation. And He wants to know you today. So this morning, if you came in lost today, if you came in searching today, if you came in looking for life today, I want you to know today, life is more than just punching a, 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 a time clock and going to work and providing for kids and going through the motions. There's something underneath it all that you are designed for. You are designed to to know God and you can know him today by recognizing that you're a sinner in light of a just God that we're all guilty and that you need his mercy and forgiveness today in this room do you know that you need the forgiveness of Jesus if you do call up to him right there where you are say Jesus I want to know you save me oh God save me this morning you can walk in here one person and walk out a brand new person today if anyone's in Christ he's a new creation all things pass away behold all things become new if you're here this morning and you're an employer or you're an employee and maybe you're downtrodden in your work and you've lost the blessing of work maybe today you just need to say oh God help me afresh and anew to recommit my life and my efforts to honoring you as I work unto you not just under man. Maybe you're struggling and you need a job today. I prayed for a guy at the second service. He's looking for a job. Maybe today you say, that's me. Maybe you say, oh God, in this moment, help me. Come forward. We'd love to pray for you in that moment. Let me say one more thing to all my senior adult friends here today. You may have retired from vocational work, but you haven't retired from the work of the kingdom of God. God still has a plan for you. God still has a purpose for you. And maybe this morning you'd say, Oh God, put my hands afresh and new to the, pl- to the plow of the work of the kingdom of God. There are so many lost people in this community and what they need is the gospel and it doesn't come through any other means except people today. Maybe you'd recommit to that. If you need somebody to pray for you, if you need to join this church home, our pastors will be up front. You feel free to come as we sing. Brother Ken, would you... Come, let me pray for us. Would you stand? You feel free to come as we sing. Father, we love you, Lord Jesus, today. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, would you minister to the hearts and lives of your people this morning. Give us courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. You feel free to come now as we sing.